Coming to you live from the Venetian Hotel in Las Vegas and Money 2020, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate and investigate, actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. If you're looking to grow your digital banking business, check out Lemonade LXP, the digital growth platform for financial institutions and fintechs. Lemonade LXP has both ingredients you need to drive digital growth, a learning experience platform that uses daily micro-learning to give staff the knowledge and confidence they need to promote and support your digital capabilities, and a digital adoption platform that supports your digital capabilities with technology walkthroughs that you can author in just minutes. So if you're rolling out new technology, merging with or acquiring another FI, or just looking to drive digital banking growth, you gotta drink the lemonade. For more information, check out Lemonade LXP at www.lemonadelxp.com. Thanks for tuning into Bankadelic live from the Venetian in Las Vegas. At this point, they are rolling the chairs up and taking down the fancy displays and leaving huge piles of swag in their wakes. <laughs> How many bags can a person possibly grab, right? But we are here, and I'll introduce my guest in a second, at the Dandelion Chocolate Shop at the Venetian. And I have got to tell you, they make one of the most extraordinary frozen mochas I've ever had. And the staff here is very friendly, and they've been able to accommodate me and our guest, Ed Maslavekis. Ed is the CEO and co-founder of Bud Financial, which is based in London and New York City. He's going on almost nine years with his company, which is making inroads into transactional AI and also specializes in a number of services. Those include account verification, account aggregation, creditworthiness assessment, transaction enrichment insights and personalization, and real-time customer engagement. But is focused on banks and fintechs using their data sets, helping them to use their data sets, to in turn help their customers. Ed, I'm so delighted we were able to make this happen at the last minute and find a new location, which is yummier than the convention floor. Welcome to Bankadella. Thanks for having me, absolute pleasure. Um, it's like a little haven it is. in the Venetian, isn't it? It's a different decor after uh, a long conference, so it's quite nice, quite yeah. a nice end to it for me. Yeah, really delighted to do this. Now, I wanted to kick off by having you walk us through the launch with Totally Money of a new open banking power tool that helps people build their credit score. What was your role in that and how does it work? Yeah, so I guess um, kind of talks to a lot of what we do at Bud, right? So, you know, the coming back sort of all the way back to 2015, when we were a consumer app, we had this kind of vision of, you know, these combining these three elements. One is customers' transaction data. Two, um, really good insight into that transaction to understand the customer. And then using the customer's day-to-day -day, um, sort of financial behavior and product behavior to sort of give them 
uh, more customized, personalized financial assistant, right? And so that was kind of our vision of what we wanted to do in 2015. And we built our own consumer app to try and do that. But there were some real technical constraints to get there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in, in order, it was, first of all, the data access was very difficult. And a lot of, you know, it was screen scraping at the time in the UK. And a lot of customers would drop off there. And there were some issues with, you know, data stability and being able to kind of access those accounts all the time. And that, thankfully, was solved by open banking in the UK. The second part was the kind of the core insights of the transactions. Like, once you get hold of them, understanding their transactions that, to build a picture of the customer, that was a real challenge um, because, you know, nothing really good existed in the market. You couldn't buy anything off the shelf. This sort of transactional intelligence enrichment. There were some people that did it, but not good enough to actually really understand people. And yeah. so the problem with the transactional uh, enrichment is, you know, if you, let's say you're, you're pretty good at it. Let's say you're 80% accurate at categorizing transactions, which, which as we've seen, you know, was, was probably like, up until a few years ago, was probably best in the market. Um, what that means is like, a call, if you want to know anything about a customer, you, you, really about how much they earn, where they spend, what their behaviors are like, you can't do that off of one transaction. You've got to do that off of hundreds or thousands oh, of transactions. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so that error rate of around 20% per transaction really adds up, right? So the inaccuracy really compounds. So the, the, the second big problem to solve was building that enrichment capability to an accurate enough level that you can really rely on the broad... Um, categorization across the entire account. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that we worked on really from very like hard on from 2017, you know, building our first AI models at the time. It was sort of neural nets built off of like the f Google's first version of transformer models sort of from 2016. Mm -hmm. um, it's since changed more to be more like a language model um, in recent years. Um, and again, the third challenge in that is then putting some sort of AI over the top of all of that package together to kind of have an up-to-date understanding of the customer and make smarter and smarter recommendations. Wow. And so by combining all those technologies, we can power people like Totally Money to actually kind of um, in sort of uh, achieve the, the vision we had all the way back in 2015. So it's cool to see with us pivoting to be a B2B tech provider that we've helped, we now can help to achieve that kind of consumer ambition we had. My God, that sounds incredibly challenging. I'll bet you want to do it all over again. <laughs> well, look, it's, it's, you know, if you, uh, well, I mean, doing it all over again, you know, you'd have a lot of learnings, right? Um, yeah. You know, the things, you know, obviously it was kind of naivety going in um, about the technical challenges that were required, but the technical challenges, you know, unlock the opportunities. So would I do it again? I mean, it depends on what, what day you catch me. Yeah. I don't know if you would agree, but I have a feeling you might, is that I think naivete a lot of times is really great because if people know ahead of time what every single challenge is going to be and every single place that they have to iterate or pivot for reasonable types of, you know, perspective, they may say, I don't even want to try this. Yeah. It's going to be too big a headache, whereas you kind of go in without knowing and just saying, this is the idea, this is what we're gonna address, it might be that first scoop full of dirt that says, oh my God, I gotta build a tunnel to China, but you keep going and you learn along the way. I mean, did you find that was your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, it was one hurdle at a time. Like, you know, I remember early in sort of 2017, one of the things that people said to us 
was like never get regulated. If you can avoid regulation, avoid it. And we and so we were like, okay, let's learn about this regulation stuff. Let's read the handbook, and then you know there were you know that actually we were quite lucky. We got into the FCA sandbox in the UK, and and that was helpful. But I think a lot of things that people would see as barriers, you just take down it. But if you knew all the barriers one at a time, um, as an example, one of the things we do with HSBC Bank is whenever a customer logs into the, their app, HSBC passes the data, the, the customer data to us, we enrich all the data and fire it straight back in real time to the, to the bank. And so this idea that a bank is sharing their first party data with a fintech, and even like, you know, back in the day, a very small fintech. Yeah. Um, was also another like thing that people thought was an impossibility. Oh yeah, um, open banking even in the United States is still looked at fearfully in some corners because these banks will sometimes say, "We don't want anyone touching our data. It's our data. A, it's not your data. It's customer data. And B, if it's just sitting there, that's your loss." Absolutely. You know, get on an API and get into open banking and find out exactly what kind of value you can extract extract, pardon me. Now, you mentioned something interesting along the lines of getting the data prepared. That is something that is not always thought about, really. You said taking the data maybe from a financial institution and then working with it so that it's really ready to rock. Tell me about how you guys approach that. Yeah, so I think what what happened, so I guess, you know, even when um, we were starting the company. There was a lot of companies talking about, you know, being able to provide kind of really powerful customer intelligence and advice and or, or almost advice and assistance. I think what happened in the industry generally was this kind of top-down idea, right? They built the, this idea that they would build these customer features, um, you know, recommendations, notifications based off of understanding the customer. They built those down, and then you know, they, as they got further down the stack to that core data capability, they built some sort of rules-based systems, and you know, um, to sort of tell them the who, what, where of the transaction. And I think what, what, like you know, on the point before, you know, the the, the real challenge, the real hard technical thing was that kind of getting highly accurate categorization, merchant identification, and and other like enrichment forms, and so. I think from us it was actually for many, many years just focusing on that core enrichment capability. And what that's meant in the last two, three years is like our feature function capability has just skyrocketed and like, you know, now even now with these language models coming in, you know, our personalization suite has gone from like good to something which is kind of able to automate a whole bunch of things inside the bank. Mm-hmm. And that's in the last sort of, you know, four or five months. And yeah. so, so I think it was the hard problem building the better mousetrap at the bottom um, and we still continue to work on that, you know, and tweak and sort of make that better. But, but doing that has, has led to everything on top. So I think that was really our approach to it. And it was a little bit scary for a while because, um, you know, it certainly meant that we hadn't really productized our technology for a while. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, the traction of trying to sell pure technologies as a service was hard because... Yeah. because the, um, our customers and banks and fintechs didn't necessarily understand the value of the products that it, it, it created, but so that, that took a little while and that was a little bit scary for yeah. sure. So if I'm understanding you correctly, it was not only a matter of trying to really plow through and create something that in essence didn't exist, but then now that it exists, trying to tell banks and financial institutions that not only this exists now, but you can use this. and 
they may respond, well, what do you mean, right? So sounds like it was also, again, if I'm understanding you correctly, a quest to really help them understand and ed- educate them. That's it. And, it, you know, in lots of ways, we've always seen ourselves as being kind of um, sort of building a new, a new type of service, right? This kind of customer intelligence layer that, that everyone, everyone, when they think about it, thinks it exists in a bank, right? Whenever anyone outside the banking goes, well, of course, they're using my data to price things or to recommend me things. But then you realize, wait, wait a minute. My bank that I've been with for 15 years sends me letters through the mail saying, you know, would you be, would you like, here, this, here's your personalized um, loan offer. And, you're, and you look at it and you say, well, you know, I've got, you're giving me this loan offer, but you've got my bank data and you know I don't, like, I don't necessarily need that money. In fact, I might have that money already in the bank, so why would I take out, you know, <laughs> a high interest loan on that? And, and so then you realize that actually, no, no one's, they, they weren't using this. And B, like even when we, our biggest challenge today is when we go and speak to banks, they still go, well, I'm, you know, unless you get to the right product person, they yeah. go, well, I'm sure we do this. We have thousands of data engineers and AI, you know, data scientists. We do this. Of course we do this. And yeah. the reality is they may have a version of it, but, but they haven't spent the time, money, and the effort to make it good enough to, to, to create the real value. Um, so that's, that's probably our biggest challenge still today. But yeah, yeah something we're getting better at. So along those lines, do you find that when you're talking to people about what Bud does, that you have to get past this idea that, oh, it's the shiny new toy, as opposed to, well, are you asking the questions about what this technology can help you do? Yeah, so it's the, making it a product, I think, makes that much easier. I think, yeah, I mean, a lot of what we do is, you know, language models underneath, um, generative, then now we're using some generative AI on the top, which um, I, I use those two words because they are like shiny buzzwords, right? Yes. And equally, we were in the shiny buzzword world of open banking, but we never necessarily saw ourselves as an open banking sort of business as everyone else saw it. Everyone else, you know, when they think of an open banking company, they think of a Plaid or a Truelayer or a Yappily yeah. and people that do data aggregation and payments. And we, of course, had those features because at the time, like, you know, when we were building our product, those companies, certainly in the UK, didn't really exist. Um, so it's really been about kind of trying to create this new segment. Um, and then I think really now is the unlock where we have this personalization suite. We have these um, financial management tools. We have these lending tools that are out of the box. Sometimes they're dashboards that someone can just log into and start using straight away with dumping a CSV into a, into a dashboard and, and get all the data enriched and all the customer insights in real time. Um, so I think now is the time where people go, okay, I know that we do a version of what that product looks like in the bank, um, and, that, and that looks like an, a tool that I understand, but there's a lot of stuff underneath that. You know, actually, to be honest, we don't necessarily even need to explain. Again, it's just a better mousetrap. It, it has better results because it has yeah. all the stuff underneath. Absolutely. And on top of that, you've been on to AI a lot longer than people in this industry. I've talked to some pretty wonderful people with some pretty cool fintechs, and yet to them, to a certain extent, they may be informed on AI, and in many cases they are, but they haven't had the history of working with it that you guys have. How have you seen the capabilities change in a way that's getting really excited? You mentioned generative, but I'd be curious to hear something about the background of what it was like to Mm. work with it initially 
which sounds to me like a bit of a wrestling match, but it got better and better. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, look, I won't, you know, you can't underestimate the, the, the value of, you know, some of the core techniques and how they've developed, right? So when we were beginning to build our first categorization models, like the, the, some of the tech, the te well, the, certainly the language model techniques, the, the predictive language models that exist today, that wasn't really something, you know, very well known, that wasn't really well productionized, it wasn't really understood. So that's like, for example, we built neural networks to do that, right? Yeah. And that was the better solution at the time. But even before that, like, um, you know, 2015, 16, yeah, you know, this is kind of just just around when the, 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 the sort of infamous paper from Google um, on, you know, talking about these transformer models that everything now relies on yeah. was, was brought out. So really, like, we, we were really kind of in that first period, and we, we'd built some uh, rules-based models, and we knew there were issues with them. But this idea of building these, AI, like, a neural net or some sort of AI to do that seemed kind of very out there and it kind of yeah it took us a while so so yeah I mean and then on top of that like there are things you know it's not as simple as sticking AI you know throwing AI at the, the problem like there are you know validation models constraint models there are you know there are certain things you have to do to make this um, really effective um, in financial service we've seen some recent kind of upstarts sort of claim that what you can do what 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 you can do to categorize enriched data is you get the data and you stick a language model over the top. Well, the problem is language models, they hallucinate. Because yeah. really what all they're predicting is they're just trying to predict the next yeah. word. And it's you, kind of in some senses, every once in a while, like lipstick on a pig. Yeah, and, and it's kind of throwing you know, a catch-all, um, you know, a, a sort of a technology solution to everything, a little bit like we've seen with other technology waves in the last four or five years, right? So. Mm -hmm. um, what, what, you know, what you really need to do is make sure that, like, as an example, like if you, if you took a language model from one of the kind of generic language model providers today um, and you threw it at transaction data, there would be, it would take the transaction, it would look at the, it would categorize the transaction differently on multiple occasions given the same data. And then variances, it's small variances that you see in the data from the transaction, say it's a Starbucks in, Ve in Las Vegas in one part of the Venetian, another part of the Venetian, that might have a, a slightly different letter or somewhere or number. How and, and, and going through the language model, it might say it's something completely different. And, <laughs> oh, and you know, it's not two Starbucks, it's Starbucks and something else, right? Yeah. So, um, there are like a lot, there's a lot of, the point being there's a lot of learnings and you, you have to iterate and build over time. Mm -hmm. And so that's really been, I guess our story since 2017 is building and learning and changing these over time to make them not only accurate, but um, able to be used by enterprises, you know, like some of the biggest banks in the world. Yeah. And that brings you up to 2023 where you're at the point now where you've moved into the US. Tell us a little bit about that. And what's exciting about that? We've talked a lot about challenges. I want to hear yeah. <laughs> some good yeah. stuff too. Some good stuff, yeah. I mean, like, on a personal note, it's very exciting because despite my accent, I actually grew up in, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and so I've always been, a, you know, from the ages of three to 12, so I've always had that American spirit in me. Yeah. Um, and I've always wanted to come back. And so now I have a, a great excuse to come back and, um, and be here. Um, and it's, it's super exciting from just from the personal level, uh -huh. um, and I have family here, so that's great. But um, from a business side, it's um, you know we've I've, I've been coming to this show since you know for yeah maybe like six years coming out wow. to Vegas, and I've mm -hmm. probably spent more time in Vegas than anywhere um, 
that I've not lived. Um, yeah. Uh, because of because of that and other shows, but I've always come to this show um, just to see what what was going on in the U.S. and and we felt like right now was the right time, given um, you know some upcoming changes in in legislation, the 1033 rule here, some of the progressive thinking around um, you know or, or some some of the latest developments from an AI perspective, and equally like we've always been speaking to banks and fintechs over here. And in the last few years, they've got more receptive to more advanced um, uses of, of data. And yeah. so it was the right time, you know, from a funding and business um, size, you know, we felt like we could ad address the challenge with enough gusto to make it work. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, it's super exciting. It's a weird year for banking, but for us, I think this new AI wave has really shown people the power that, that can, can be garnered from systems like this. Yeah, it's a weird time in general. Google's quarterlies just came out and the stock was punished down 9% and it's like come on people this company is worth 1.5 trillion dollars and you're upset the 20% plus growth year over year in cloud isn't enough for you <laughs> we just live in a especially irrational time I mean yes. markets and finance there's a lot of numbers and data which I love right but human beings are still human beings. They're fearful. They don't want to maybe embrace or learn about new things like AI. And on top of it, people are watching the market and they're not using their heads. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I also love that. I was raised basically on the knee of a man that was obsessed with the markets. And that I, I was almost raised to the sound of the CNBC kind of loop um, in the background. So um, yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, for, for me, like, look, it's kind of a question around, you look at people like NVIDIA, this great AI stock and um, the valuation, the multiple, and they've had you know, great earnings, but I think they're kind of the first wave, right? And then the second wave are some of the generic providers like, like Google and obviously OpenAI and Microsoft. And you know, this whole idea that, oh, AI, I've heard this a few times, oh, no one's figured out how to commercialize, commercialize <coughs> AI yet. Yeah. And I think that's actually completely wrong. I, think, I agree. I think people I have, but as we all know in this industry, and especially in finance, but in all SaaS businesses, sales cycles take a little while. You know, you're talking, you know, a good sales cycle, a nice sales cycle could be three months. It could be up to three years. We've experienced sales cycles that have taken up to three years. And then there's an implementation cycle. So you're talking about three to six months testing and then deployment. So I think we will see this. Uh, this next wave of revenues come in, and we're certainly seeing seeing the the early, you know, in our pipeline, yeah, start to really fill. Of course, the revenues haven't hit yet because people haven't deployed the technology yet. Yeah, um, so, yeah. and it can be so much more complicated even than that, right? Not just the uh, test cycle, but the pivot or iteration cycle, if that's involved, the minimally viable product yeah. cycle, the sales cycle preceded by trying to educate the salespeople how to sell this thing that you have and on and on and on and in the meantime you're trying to raise money through a series A or series B it's a lot of moving pieces mm. I mean I gotta say you're doing something I wouldn't have the first idea how to do it's a lot well you learn over time right so it's it's all it's all I do yeah every day wow day in day out it's what I dream about it's what I can't stop thinking about even though I wish sometimes I wish I could um, 
So, and, and to be honest, even, even um, I was speaking to an AI researcher at Google last week, and, and um, I also spent a lot of time looking at new models and looking at what innovations have come about and new things, you know, what's happening in sort of agents and RGBTs. And I said, how do you keep up? And they're saying, we don't. We can't keep up. <laughs> so if they can't keep up, I don't know how anyone else does. But it certainly re wrecks the mind trying to keep up at the moment. Oh, yeah. And that goes back to your earlier point, right? If you wait to know everything and you wait to feel like you're the ultimate expert, you won't get started and you will hold your naivete up as a roadblock and never go anywhere. Absolutely. Now, as we ride off into the sunset, the one thing I would love to ask, because it's a matter of you not only assessing where you are, but extrapolating your trajectory, right? So we're sitting down, let's say, a year from now. Super exciting time. Interest rates and inflation be damned, right? This is yeah. the future and it's the bleeding edge of the now. If we're having this conversation a year from now, what are some things that you hope will be realized within your company or within your sector of the company, some things that you're shooting for that you're really, really hopeful about. Yeah, so I think the first thing within what, what, what we're trying to change and what we're trying to get done um, is, is that, you know, with these, with sort of our core models plus some of the new models that have come about, we've really begun focusing much more on helping banks to and fintechs to take that core data you know we talk about all the core the way we we enrich data but but that kind of almost doesn't matter at this point what we can do is we can start to automate a lot of the workflows the data analysis and the marketing uh, workflows within organizations and you know there's a question whether okay people say okay is that going to replace people or is it going to make them sort of 7x right 7 10x yeah and i really think that actually from a lot of these organizations there's an opportunity to you know, first start with marketing, you know, you end up with, the, as, as a low risk product, the highest risk product being financial advice and lending, yeah. in terms of like applying AI to that. So I think within a year, in, within, the year, in, within a one year period, we'll certainly see a lot of these marketing tools be brought into, and language models be used to generate customer insight. And some more basic uses of financial assistance. I think it, over, we'll be testing a lot of fun, more financial advice products, mm -hmm. but we, I don't think they'll be fully ready in the market because the regulator still doesn't know what to do with them. Oh yeah. Um, till, I, till kind of probably maybe 18, 24 months. Yeah. They don't even know what to do with crypto yet. <laughs> well, that's, I don't, I don't, I couldn't, I can tell you where to start with that. Oh yeah. <laughs> but that, Summation really reminds me of the image of a movie camera at the beginning of a movie starting foggy and coming into focus. It's happening with the industry. You've been generous enough to share what that's been like with your company. You're bringing a lot of intelligence to it, obviously. Your answers indicate that, but also a lot of passion. If it's all you ever think about, then obviously bringing those thoughts into reality is a gift to the industry. and. Ed, I just want to thank you for making the time to be on Bankadelic. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Ed Maslavekis is the CEO and co-founder of Bud Financial, which is based in London and New York City. Be sure to look for Ed on LinkedIn.
You're listening to Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at NMD Plus, based in London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas. If you like what you've heard here, be sure to check out NMD Plus's financial technology podcast, Dave and Darm Demystify, with hosts Dave Wallace and Darmesh Mystery. Bankadelic, sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Have you thought about how you'll gain the upper hand in your search for stellar talent? Banker Hire leverages a niche industry with uncommon insight. They're committed to finding you qualified commercial and community banking, lending, compliance, HR, retail, and wealth talent. Banker Hire prides itself on listening and solving problems. Their approach is 100% hands-on and heads-up, giving you what you need to make smart, actionable decisions. For more information, visit BankerHire.com. With more than 1.2 million page views annually, Talking Biz News is the go-to source for happenings in business journalism. Whether you're a PR professional, a business journalist, or someone just breaking into the field, TBN is a source that you cannot do without. Whether you're following the Washington Post, New York Times, local media outlets, or some feisty news startup, Talking Biz News has you covered. Job openings are also listed and updated every day on the TBN website. Be sure to sign up for your free subscription to the TBN newsletter at Talking Biz News. That's Talking B-I-Z News.com. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Ken Montone. Our business consigliere, the one and only Rob Gaynor. Dude, I totally got into the show. Thanks as always to the William Mills Agency for their generous support. Thanks also to Banker Hire, Lemonade LXP, and Talking Biz News, a division of Vested LLC. I'm Lou Carlozo. You can catch me on LinkedIn. And if you've got a milkshake, I'm drinking. Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of NMD Plus, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.